I work in an office where I am the only gay guy surrounded by straight people. My coworkers treat me like I'm some sort of exotic gay pet. Like my boss will ask me to recommend a trendy restaurant for her to eat at, or the secretary will ask me to critique her outfit, or the guy in marketing will ask me what it feels like to get fucked up the ass. And I'm like, you work in marketing. You know what it feels like. (laughs) Um, Credits to Adam Sank for that one. Nice. I don't care what I identify as. People try to insult me by saying, oh my god, you look like a man. Yes, and men are good looking. What's your point? (laughs) That one is from Chewy May. My brother disowned me when he found that I was trans, but I try and take the high road. When I heard that he and his wife had a child, I sent them the nicest greeting card. It said, congratulations, it's a boy, for now. (laughs) That's Jay McBride. I love that. When I told my family I was vegan, they were very surprised, but they were not surprised when I came out as gay. Apparently, me putting a dick in in my mouth was a lot more convincing than me ever saying no to a cheese tray. (laughs) Well, I'm more Uh, for the cheese, personally, but... (laughs) (laughs) That one is Justin Zerilly. Zerilly. All right, and our last one... As a man, I slept with gay men. As a trans woman, I sleep with adventurous straight men. Gay men are way better. They look better. They smell better. They have sex better. The last straight guy I was with, right before he put it in, screamed out something no gay man would ever say. The least four sexy words in the English language. Alexa, play the Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) That one is from Gina Bloom. I'm Anna, a transgender person. And I'm Ken, your dad. And this is The Transgender, a podcast chronicling my transition. And a cisgender man learning how to support it. Have you seen the remake of she on Netflix? You know, just a little bit. I've watched a couple episodes. I really liked it. It's been on my list to go back to. It is fucking amazing. Emmy and I have been watching it, like, nonstop recently, because it is one of her favorite shows, and she has since gotten me sucked into it. I have seen no better representation for queerness neurodivergency anything like that in culture at all that compares to she-ra i think yeah it's amazing i mean i just i i find it incredible that we are entering a time in children's animation where some of these challenging lgbtq topics and just relationship topics in general can actually be tackled with sensitivity and in a way that kids should actually be seeing like great representations of people solving problems together yeah so for example there's a lot of innuendos and sort of relationship tension between adora who is she-ra our main character and then her best friend from childhood katra and they have a lot of love for each other and it doesn't come out and there are so many times where i've yelled out just kiss already because they are the tension is so like it's so thick you can cut it with a knife. And then there are other characters who, like, one of the princesses is a canonically trans character. Like, she is trans in the world, and it's not brought up, it's not talked about at all, but, you know, like, it's really cool that you have that and that you have a character who is trans and is just passing and living her life. Yeah, You have other characters who are hinted at having, like, straight relationships or straight passing relationships, but, like, it's pretty clear that they're both kind of bi, at least. And so, you know, there's a lot of really cool, just a lot of cool LGBTQ plus interactions there. 
I think my favorite character is Entrapta, who is just an amazing representation of what struggling in social situations can be like, especially for somebody who doesn't really understand social situations. She is my favorite character by far, I think. That's really An inventor, genius, just queen. Now, did you ever see the original 80s She-Ra or He-Man? I did not. And I've not heard the best things. I've seen a little bit of He-Man, I should say. But yeah, not not a whole lot of She-Ra. Yeah, I mean, they were fine. I definitely saw more <laughs> He-Man than I saw She-Ra. But like so many cartoons from that era, well, I, the one that I probably can point to is you and I watched a lot of the 1980s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cartoons. Oh, a whole lot. You know, it's just the, the plots didn't matter. The characters didn't. <laughs> there was not a lot of development there. These were shows to, to sell toys. And that's why I find it even more amazing that to reboot these sort of concepts in a way that's going to be interesting and more mindful, that's really sweet. I mean, to be entirely honest, I would love, absolutely love to see a He-Man reboot where he is a gay man who's just living his life, kicking baddies' asses, and just making out with all the men. I think that is well needed. Um, I just have to say, uh, just a quick shout out. Um, I've been watching Owl House, and that has some really cool queer representation in it. The main character and the main protagonist end up in a relationship together. Spoilers, Hell sorry. Yeah. And this is a Disney show, which just what is such a progressive concept, especially for that organization. I'm okay. re- really proud of them. I do just want to point out, though, that there has been a lot of representation in especially the most recent Disney films that I have seen, at least. And Kanto is amazing. (laughs) I don't think that there is any single character in that show other than maybe Abuela, who is straight. (laughs) Um, All of them are definitely queer. And as a woman who is strong and built... Having a character who is strong and built and is female presenting as well is just a, an amazing sensation to feel. Absolutely. So Representation in animation is huge. Adults, it's okay to watch kids' shows. They have... It's okay to watch kids' movies. Come a really long way, kids' shows and movies. Yeah. To being uh, just better to watch as an adult. So for today's main topic, I wanted to try something with you. Those of you listening might be familiar with a website that's called uh, Cura, which is a question-asking and answering site. It's all community-sourced. And the questions on here can get kind of buck-wild sometimes. They can get really weird. (laughs) So I wanted to just ask on a a few questions from the site here and uh, hopefully have some conversation about. These are actual questions asked from real human beings. Could be trolling, could be not. uh, But I think it's worth at least going into this with the idea that these might be actual questions that people have, including the way they're wording these things. And um, I think it's worth having us talk about it. You know, anybody who's asked a question on Quora about trans people or queer people, feel free to take any information from our podcast and answer your question. Um, I'm glad that you found our episode here. Good to have you. But please stop asking stupid questions on the internet. That's that's my one ask. Well, uh, let's start with this one. How can you know if someone is transgender? Is there a specific trait to look for? (laughs) Oh my fucking god. (laughs) This is a question 
that I think every transphobe has in the back of their mind that you can like out or like spot trans people and it is just completely false. Trans people do not have traits that mark us out because we are our genders. I mean, we are what we present as. So, for example, you might have somebody who is a cis woman and has a deep voice or a deeper voice like mine or is buff like me or you might have a cis man who has like a bubble butt or hips or a waist or long hair or whatever you know like it's the traits of our of our human bodies are not determined by anything that we do they are determined by our genetics and you know there are things that trans people in specific do to try and help us feel better in our bodies and for some of us try to pass better like taking hormones going through surgery things like that but Ultimately, there's no, like, one way to determine, like, a man or a woman or whatever, other than just asking them, because those traits don't exist. I think that, like, some traits are, like, hands. Like, if you look at the hands and they're bigger, then, like, they must be trans, and it's like, well, hold on. <laughs> I know a lot of cis people, I know a lot of cis women with really big hands, so. <laughs> right. Well, again, it's, like, so many things in stereotypes, um, or you know, those societally established what we need to expect from other humans in order for us to have some kind of, I don't know, guide <laughs> on how we describe other people. I mean, that's that's the problem we're talking about here is we are brainwashed by society to think that there are these very specific traits that make someone who they are. And what we understand is that that actually is counter to actual genetics which is everybody comes in all shapes and sizes regardless of what gender you are or race or anything else about your background to to your humanness um you can be all sorts of a different kind of person people are not machine made we are made in a flawed and weird system that incubates us in an oven for like nine months and then we pop out and we're like hi (laughs) so and then we spend another like 25 years like rising like bread so you know just just don't (laughs) just don't (laughs) rising like bread there are a couple of good answers to this on here talking about there's nothing universal think about it like other humans but unfortunately the two and three placed posts are both really transphobic one is i answer anonymously for safety reasons that's how they Like, all the trans people are going to come after them with pitchforks and torches. I mean, okay, there are some ways it's possible to tell or to guess if someone is a trans or not. A broader jaw, more muscles, their height, broader shoulders. Okay, now, hold on a second. <laughs> that We're, once again, assuming that all trans people are trans women, and that's <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> Poorly applied makeup. What? <laughs> possibly the condition of their hair and then later it says and the condition of their skin what are you talking about oh being a trans person and knowing a lot of other trans women trans women are not the people who are bad at makeup (laughs) nor are we bad at taking care of our skin or what was it like our hair or yeah. hair 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 and skin condition of and maybe maybe it's the condition is really good not <laughs> maybe yeah here, maybe it's really good i assume that it's bad which like uh, this person one doesn't understand hormones and two doesn't understand that like trans women are women and we take care of ourselves for the most part like cis women do 
at least most yes. of us who are like you know female presenting cis women i moisturize i take care of my hair i go through like a bottle of conditioner a week it feels like <laughs> you have the longest hair people get so jealous and what was the first one makeup poorly applied makeup like yes we it's not like when we transition we just instantly like <laughs> are in our body again like we've we do things to make ourselves feel better. For me, for example, like I was learning how to do makeup long before I socially transitioned. So right, right. Well, and there's <laughs> there's a different kind of pressure we've expressed in the past. Oh yeah, feeling you know if, if the if the idea for you is passing, then you want to pass, and so that means figuring these things out. Well, I just want to read you the the last piece of this that I think is um, interesting. Then they go on to say if they have a penis or a vagina. Those are possible clues that someone might be trans. So. Yes, because looking at somebody's genitals always explains what they are. We don't have intersex people at all. Not at all. Right. <laughs> Sorry, intersex people. You're recognized and valid and I love you. Do you like to save money? I know I do. That's why I've started using Upside. Upside is an app that gives you cash back on your everyday purchases. I personally save up to $0.22 cents per gallon on gas, and there are deals for up to 30% back at restaurants. And if you use our offer code, you can save an additional $0.15 cents per gallon on your first gas purchase and support the transgender while you're at it. Just go to Upside.com to get the app and use offer code Cameron6349. That's C-A-M-E-R-O-N 634936 to get 15 more cents off when you fill up your tank. Make your dollars go further with cashback from Upside. What bathrooms do or should trans people use? Uh, the bathroom that they want to. Next to question. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would be an easy one. But I see that in social media very, very often. So... How do liberals reconcile their belief in science with their views on transgender people? Because science backs up trans people. Biology does, and psychology does, and sociology does, and literally any science you can think of. I think even geology might back up trans people if you looked really hard enough. I say that mostly jokingly, but seriously though, like, trans people are backed up by science. I think that all, overall liberal people follow science. There you go. That's the answer. <laughs> I mean, and hey, if this is the first episode you're jumping onto, we'll just say the two main points that we go back to whenever we're talking about science and being transgender. It's our idea of how chromosomes work is not binary in and of itself. There's no. a continuum in chromosomes. So that alone, this whole X or XY debate is meaningless. There are so the many more chromosomes than just X and Y. There are so many different patterns of it. You could have XXY, you could have XXX, you could have Y or XYY. Like, there are so many different chromosomes that if we all just based ourselves on that, we would have to have like 15 different bathrooms from my briefest knowledge of this. And then the other is that gender is a social construct. Trans people are scientifically backed up in so many different disciplines of science and yes. so many respected medical professionals to not believe that we exist or to say, like, how can how can liberals reconcile us existing? It's like, how can you not? 
do you not look at the facts? Do you not look at trans people who have existed throughout time as we show constantly on this fucking podcast? You know, like, do you not look at those and say, why can't I reconcile my beliefs with trans people? Yes. I'm going to ask myself one here. As a parent, what is it like to find out your child is transgender? As a parent, what is it like to find out your child is transgender? <laughs> you know, it's it's so fascinating to me because I was so very clueless about what even that meant when when we first were having uh, those initial discussions. And um, I'm, I almost feel fortunate that you... You gave me a couple opportunities over a few years to sort of get there with you so that when we really were having this conversation, I actually was better informed and was more prepared to be able to be supportive of you. And so yeah. uh, what it was like to find out my child was transgender was, yay, you're living an identity that you you uh, is yours, <laughs> you know, that you don't need to pretend for anybody else anymore. And I feel so lucky to have you as a daughter. And that's how it felt to me. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I, as a trans person, it was really nice having an accepting parent, having accepting parents. And I I realize how lucky I am being able to say that is that I have a family, a biological family who's very supportive of me, as well as a very strong chosen family. I remember the early parts of our trans, of my, like, coming out and everything were really strange, especially for, like, the especially for the two of us because you and I yeah. have been very close for my entire life and so coming out to you I I think it was 6th grade I sent you a text um from mm-hmm. school because I needed my people around me for that and like I just remember like some specific conversations that we had like we went to eat out at it was a morning breakfast Uncle that we Louis. had at, yeah. <laughs> yeah Uncle Louis and we were chatting and you know I I remember just some 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 parts of that conversation that to me were like well, how don't you get this? And now looking back as a trans person who's transitioned and seen a lot of these stories, like, I get where you were coming from. Like, oh, shit, I have to deal with pronouns and stuff now. Like, something that you didn't have to think about. But now having a trans child, you really had to think about. And overall, I think you and I both have grown a lot in our (laughs) experiences. (laughs) Leaps and bounds. Yep, 100%. But, you know, like... It also makes sense, those initial thoughts. You know, when I was talking about changing my name, that was another really hard sticking point for you. And it wasn't because, like, oh, well, like, that name has meaning towards you for you or anything. It was just, like, I spend so much time and energy, like, making that name for you. And, you know, it it feels like a betrayal to me, even though it's absolutely (laughs) not, you know? And so I completely get it. I I do. Well, and again, thank you. I mean, I I always (laughs) wanted to be really honest with my feelings so that we could talk those things through and then I could breathe and say, you know, I hope I'm not putting any undue pressure (laughs) on you, but like, here's my journey in being more supportive of you. And I think largely those things were few and far between. I think, you know... We we figured out our equilibrium pretty early on, which, you know, I think felt really great. Yeah. And like to those trans parents and to those trans guardians and support networks and everything, like it is okay to go through those feelings and it's okay to talk with your trans person about those feelings. Maybe not initially when they're first coming out to you, because that can be really intimidating, but, you know, especially finding those support groups of people who can help you work through those feelings and everything. Because ultimately, if you're listening to our show and you have a trans person in your life, Like, all you really want to be doing is educating yourself and getting better. And I really want to stress this point of it's okay to feel what you're feeling. 
you just need to be sure that you are being mindful and respectful of the trans people in your life as well. Because for us, we're taking on a lot more risk than we're putting onto you in our world. So, you know, ultimately, it's okay to feel those. It's okay to talk out those feelings with your trans person if necessary, but ideally with a support group. And thank you, father. <laughs> thank you, daughter. <laughs> I, I'm so glad of this journey and I'm so grateful for this podcast so that we can continue to have these growth conversations. And Oh, yeah. And I'm glad that we can share these with the world, too, because I know that so many people are impacted by them. We've been getting so many messages, you guys, lately, and it has been amazing to see the responses and everything. I I think we get about one a day or so, and, um, you know, we read through all of them, and there are quite a few that make me tear up. So keep sending them in, because they are really impactful to us, and, you know, it's what keeps us going. Thank you. We really appreciate it. I want to ask you one more because we've got, I think, in a minute more here that we can do one more of these. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between someone being transgender and someone having gender dysphoria? This question is a very good question and deserves to be in a research paper and not just on Cura. So I'm going to start by saying the DSM-5 which is the Diagnostic Manual for Diagnosing Mental Health Diagnoses, <laughs> states that in order for an individual to be classified as having gender dysphoria, they need to meet certain criteria, which includes having specifically gender dysphoria about like themselves or parts of their bodies for um, a certain number of time. Um, and it needs to be like impactful in their everyday life, I believe. It's been a while since I've read that section. But I mean, ultimately, like, it's up to the person because you can have gender dysphoria and not be transgender. You know, I, I know a lot of people who can feel some dysphoria about their gender without being like, I want to transition. I know I'm transgender. It can just be a God, being a woman sucks sometimes, and maybe it would be better to be a man. And I'm not saying that necessarily that equates to being a transgender individual with high amounts of dysphoria, but I think that there is some dysphoria there about, like, if you are genuinely feeling that it's not related to external factors and it's just a, God, sometimes, you know, I want to be this other gender. And, you know, ultimately it's everybody's path to find, and it, it's a journey that you need to take at your own pace. You know, the difference is, I think, very purely... Being transgender is the identity and label that some people find useful. Whereas having gender dysphoria is a feeling and a, a crushing weight that is experienced by people who do not feel like they are comfortable, safe, any number of descriptive words in their own body, in their gender identity, in their what have you. It's a small difference if you're looking at it like base level, but I think ultimately it is way more complicated than this podcast is able to answer in a single five minute period of this episode. So, but I think you did a really nice job of that. Of thank giving you. The overview of the response. There's one response on here that I just thought was really interesting. And that's there. This is an answer from a trans woman. And um, she was talking about 
One of the hallmarks of dysphoria, that particular word, often comes from this uh, physiological, neurochemical, sartorial pain that's felt. And so obviously, like you said, that can be in a continuum, but I just found that interesting that that, that can that dysphoria, as you've described it in past episodes, really can affect every part of your your body and mind. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, like any other mental health aspect, like it can physically affect you. I, I know from my personal experience, they have been, there have been many days where I have been so ill that it, it is impossible for me to do anything but lie in bed. And it, it sucks because those days are painful and hard and you aren't able to get anything done. But at the same time, that pressure and that weight and that pain and those neurochemical signals that are telling your body that you can't do anything today, all of those feelings and all of those processes start to alleviate and start to be relieved once you start taking transition steps that make you feel more comfortable in yourself and start to ease that gender dysphoria. Absolutely. This week's gender euphoria comes from listener Jada. Thank you, Jada. My euphoria is from about a week ago when I wore dangly earrings for the first time. I have had my ears pierced since my last birthday, and I finally had the guts to try some dangly hoop earrings. And I almost passed out from the ecstasy of feeling them bounce on my neck and seeing them in the mirror. I couldn't stop smiling, and it was such a wonderful moment for me. Jada sent us a very long, sweet message, but I just wanted to point out that she is 26, turning 27 soon, and had some really good questions that we might touch on in some future episodes. Um, So please keep sending those euphorias in, keep sending in those questions, and we are reading them, we are listening, we want to get to as many of them as we can. Jada, your message made me smile, so thank you so much. It made me cry a little bit. So speaking of getting in touch with us, if you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who is transitioning and you'd like us to talk about it on the show, shoot an email to questions at transgendapod.com, click the chat with us button on our website, or message us on social media. Be sure to check out our episode description for links on today's resources. Specifically, if you haven't seen She-Ra, the remake on Netflix, I really recommend it. It is amazing. And I got to try out that other show that you've mentioned. All health, yes. Thanks for listening. I've been Cam. I've been Anna. And this has been The Transgender. Love you all, except the bigots.